You're listening to the McKinsey Podcast, featuring wide-ranging conversations on the issues that matter in business and management. Welcome to this installment of the McKinsey Podcast. I'm Roberta Fasaro, editor of McKinsey on Business Technology, and today we're talking about agility. Specifically, why is it that established companies have such a hard time moving fast? Every company nowadays wants to be like Amazon and Uber and other online companies that develop products and services quickly, test them, tweak them, and satisfy customers' needs on the go. Traditional companies, by contrast, have had less luck in doing the same. So what's keeping them from mirroring their successes of their digital counterparts? McKinsey's Santiago Comeladorda and Gerard Speckschneider and their colleagues have been studying just this question, and their research points to a critical message for traditional IT organizations. Update your operating model. Otherwise, even small-scale experiments with agility will fail to have the desired impact. Santiago and Gerard are the authors of An Operating Model for Company-Wide Agile Development, and they're here to speak with us today about their findings. Santiago and Gerard, thanks for joining us. Good morning, Roberta. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Roberta. So a lot of people use this word agile in different contexts to mean a lot of different things. Can you define the term as you're using it in your article and generally in the world of IT? Fundamentally, the idea around Agile is to create a small, cross-functional, self-contained teams that deliver technology in quick increments. And because they're self-contained, they feel accountable, and that's truly the magic of Agile, a team that really feels out, uh, accountable for the outcomes they're producing. So very simple concept, obviously deploying that principle in the context of a complex organization is not easy, but the, the concept itself is quite simple. It's a straightforward principle that basically builds on principles that feel very intuitive. The fact that if I've got a persistent team, folks who work together for a longer period of time, not just the IT folks, but they work together with the business together and they and they get to know each other, they know how each other's organizations work, uh, they know how the individuals, how you know what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. The fact that such a team becomes more productive feels very intuitive. It seems as though when people think about Agile, they think about internet companies. Um, I'm wondering why is it so easy, or why does it seem to be so easy for internet companies to be all Agile all the time, and so hard for brick-and-mortar companies or, or traditional businesses to do the same. What are some of the impediments to Agile that some of these traditional organizations face? My take on it is that a lot of these internet companies or, or digital natives, uh, organizations who grew up in this digital day and age, basically have a big advantage in not having the legacy along a couple different dimensions. First of all, they don't have the application architecture legacy. Uh, there are no monolith applications. And everything typically is being defined in a pretty modular fashion with lots of microservices, APIs, and which allows you to make changes to a specific component of your application architecture. And you can test it and release those features quite fast and without having lots of dependencies on other parts of your application landscape. This setup is typically what you won't find in large companies, who, you know, brick and mortar companies have been around for sometimes decades. 
they've grown much more organically and have a lot more spaghetti-like architecture. I think legacy also pops up in the mindset of the individuals itself and also in the processes that they use. If you look at some of the system development lifecycle artifacts that need to be created for you to move on to the next phase of your project, very much typically in a waterfall sense, it becomes hard to break through because people would expect a solid business case, uh, business requirements document with everything laid out, and that doesn't work that well in an agile delivery mode. Adding to that, large organizations have tried to create the scale economies by specializing resources over the last few decades. And as a result of that, if you look at the large organization, delivery resources in general are tremendously specialized. You have folks that know how to do XML, but on this domain, and then folks that uh, know how to modify databases, but for this particular database. So the concept of creating an end-to-end self-contained team is tremendously difficult in a large organization. In many cases, it requires involving tens of people, which makes things uh, quite complicated. That's not the case for startups. In startups, you have resources that tend to be a little bit more flexible, which makes it easier to adopt Agile. So you and your colleagues did some research that would point to the need for an operating model makeover, so to speak. What sort of changes are traditional companies making to be more agile on a broader scale? Many organizations have been trying to just change teams and processes, and that's insufficient to really become agile more holistically. So what we see organizations doing these days is to reorganize themselves, to move away from the silos that were effectively governing their orchestructures in the past. They are also modifying quite a few enterprise processes. So for example, the way you source work to vendors, the way you staff teams, the, the way you do budgeting and planning, those kind of enterprise-wide processes are being modified to really accommodate Agile. Finally, the way you think about the technical architecture is we are seeing quite a few modifications on that as well. So just to give you an example, the concept of having more decoupled systems is extremely important as you move to Agile. It's interesting to see how, how pretty much every organization, certainly every Fortune 500 organization, has been making strides um, and, and moving on the Agile journey. And what we've seen happening is that uh, many of these professional IT shops know how to do an Agile project. They know how to take a team and have a small series of individuals, a small set of folks, basically operate in Agile mode. So at a team level, we've seen quite a few organizations be successful. But when you lift it up a level and you think about Agile at a program level, and certainly when you look at it at Agile at an enterprise level, that's where some of these components that Santiago talked about becoming really quite complicated. And so the, the concept of organizational structure, processes that also in, involve non-IT parts of the organization, for instance, around funding or how to onboard and resource individuals to do vendor management, when it gets outside of the realm of IT and you really have to take the whole enterprise and become an agile organization as a whole, we find that the biggest barriers for success here are around the organizational structure, around how to resource. And, um, and if you solve for that, then you're really able to get to Agile at scale. In the article, you talk a lot about these sort of four success factors. We'll call them that potential success factors. And 
One of the most interesting to me is this idea of improving interactions between business and IT. It's a perennial issue, one that a lot of people face in a lot of different contexts. But in terms of creating agile at scale, how important is it to kind of get that business IT interaction stronger or, or to improve it to a, to a larger degree than perhaps it already is? You're absolutely right. This is a perennial issue and it's top of mind of many CIOs as well as business leaders. And what I think this agile philosophy really allows you to do is to create a much more intimate relation between the business and IT. Uh, by aligning your development teams, by aligning your cross-functional teams, not just development, but including operations, including testing, including perhaps even designers, bringing those teams very close to the business, having a product owner be the representative of the business lined up against that team creates a real intimate environment where you can make really good prioritization of features, where you can really align effectively on the, uh, the type of requirements that you really need. And that's where I think in many ways co-ownership starts to happen and people have a joint responsibility and a joint accountability to make it happen, as opposed to the old-fashioned model where uh, you know, a lot of the requirements almost get thrown over the fence and uh, NIT is trying to kind of read between the lines on what the business really wants to make happen. Software is eating the world and the business is becoming technology. So getting uh, the business really interact more closely with, uh, with tech is uh, highly beneficial. It makes the business more savvy about what can be done and what's kind of undoable from a technology point of view. And that kind of expertise, that cross-pollinization between the business and technology is tremendously beneficial on, on the way you structure your operations and you, you organize your business strategy. Again, looking at the article and one of the other success factors you talk about is this notion of orienting teams around products versus projects, allowing for broader at-scale uh, deployment of Agile. It sounds like a simple concept, but how simple is it actually to achieve? In certain areas, the, the product, whether that product is a user journey, a customer journey, or a commercial product or whatnot, it is relatively simple to create this kind of cross-functional, self-contained team that owns the product end-to-end. As you get closer to the core of technology and as you get closer to the to the systems of record, it becomes more difficult and in many cases you need to actually define products products that are technology products that are really systems that provide services to the rest of the organization. So kind of that balance between business aligned products versus technology aligned products is one of the key success factors and one of the most difficult decisions that you need to make as you move to Agile. The challenge that you find is indeed in a lot of these shared capabilities that a lot of different business users you know, leverage. Um, so if you have a business unit, multiple business units that all use, let's say, a payment system, and how do you find out payment as a platform almost, and, and using those feature teams or those agile teams supporting multiple business units, that's where things become a little more complicated because then you don't necessarily have one product owner. You might actually have multiple product owners to, who represent multiple businesses and help understand what your payment features are that they really need. So thinking through what are the business line products and the feature teams around them, but what also are the shared or more platform capabilities that you have supporting multiple business units is not straightforward. 
Can you share some examples of, of the positive outcomes that some of the companies that you looked at in your research achieving through agile, deploying agile at scale or changing up their operating models to some degree? It falls out in at least three different categories. And the first one is around those feature teams becoming more productive. They're becoming more efficient. And, and this is really measured in a kind of a two to three X type increase. And it's not some, it, it feels very intuitive. If I've got a team that's working together from release to release, from sprint to sprint, it's almost like I have a sport team, a series of folks playing basketball, and they show up for training every week, and they show up for matches every week, and they get better all along, as opposed to the old model, where you basically put folks together for, let's say, one game, and then you switch out the team for the next game. It's, so it's very intuitive that these folks will get, become more productive, and it's, and it's truly there. Uh, I think the second dimension is all around throughput. And if you look at the deployment frequency, and if you look at the um, uh, and the lead time from code commit to code deploy, the improvements along those two dimensions are dramatic. The deploy frequency could go up hundreds of time, uh, and the um, and the lead time from code commit to code deploy could really go down by a factor of a thousand almost. You're talking about minutes as opposed to weeks or months. And then finally, I think it's around resilience. Uh, we've seen resilience go up dramatically as well, where uh, medium to resolve is going down and uh, the change fail rate is uh, drastically improving as well. So this is one of those situations where you can have the cake and eat it too. It's the productivity goes up, but quality goes up and your throughput goes up as well. If I may illustrate it with uh, an example of a client of mine, on, on this client technology was seen as the long pole and kind of the business had all these visions on what they wanted to do and always the challenge was technology deliver. I've seen two fundamental changes in that organization. Number one, the, there is no more business versus tech. It's all business, truly, and obviously there are technology elements, there are non-technology elements, but it's all the business. Furthermore, the kind of technology know-how that they have added into cross-functional teams is such that Right now, the technology is really seen as driving the transformation and driving the organization and as an enabler of change rather than the way they were seen three years back when they were really the bottleneck. It's a great point. It sort of echoes other McKinsey research that's come out recently on this notion of IT becoming more of a business partner. If we're looking at each of the four pillars that you identify in the article, are there particular challenges and pieces of advice that you would give to traditional organizations that are looking to deploy Agile at scale? The one advice I'll, I'll give is don't fix problems for the sake of fixing problems. Uh, getting the Agile journey, as you go deeper, you'll identify what are the roadblocks that prevent you from uh, being more successful, from innovating more and whatnot, and then address those problems. Always think through your operating model and what's the next biggest challenge that is preventing you to go faster. Fix it and then go for the next one. Rather than trying to create a master design and change everything at the same time, 
One example comes to mind. Um, I'm working together with a client now where we are making changes to the funding model, and uh, and we find that to be particularly challenging. It used to be the situation where this large-scale organization would essentially figure out once a year what are the priorities to build, what are the priorities to, to change, and essentially agree on a number of projects and a portfolio of projects that need to be executed for that year. And changing this into a, to a much more of an agile funding model where funding would happen, you know, cost envelopes would be dedicated to agile teams and agile teams can then draw from that cost envelope for a period of time and basically do the specific prioritization of initiatives or features to be released with the business much closer to the business and much more real time has turned out to be quite a uh, daunting task uh, where lots of other people in the organization are looking at this for instance group finance is looking at this going like listen you know how do we control the costs how do we make sure that we follow the overall strategy of the company and this has been quite a you know difficult and hard change and it also involves for each of these individual platforms or capabilities to basically lay out a bit of a three-year plan, a three-year business plan to say, here is what we're planning on doing and here's how it lines up with the overall IT and business strategy. It was a large-scale change and moving in that direction has proven to be difficult in the sense that it really requires business and IT and supporting organizations like finance and risk and strategy to kind of join the party and collectively uh, move in that direction. It would seem that Part of the transformation to Agile at scale would involve a number of roles being redefined and kind of reassessed. Most roles are modified in a number of ways, but, the, but there are a few roles that are entirely redefined. So just to give you a few examples, Agile has this concept of a product owner, which is fundamentally someone that decides on behalf of the users and behalf of the entire corporation what gets built and in what sequence. Easy to explain, but reality is that organizations don't have a role like that. They have many stakeholders, all with a voice, all providing input into the team on what needs to get built. So the concept of empowering a single individual to make those decisions is entirely new for organizations. The role of a Scrum Master is new. The role of frontline managers changes fundamentally because typically on IT, frontline managers were responsible, IT frontline managers were responsible for delivery and as such they would effectively tell people what to do to kind of be able to produce a piece of software and release it into production. If you want to create empowered teams and self-managed teams, that role obviously needs to change. Along those lines is that what I find fascinating is to see the change happening even on the core development side of the house, where people used to be a developer and a developer in a, a very specific technology. You're a .NET developer, Java developer, or a COBOL developer, and that's what you would do. You wouldn't touch the other systems. And we've seen that concept of just being a very deep technology expert on that specific language and that specific application change <laughs> where folks become more of a software engineer. And the concept of engineering would then include a, a real need to understand testing really well and a real need to understand operations really well. And frankly, also to be much more versatile in understanding, you know, kind of the traditional business analyst role and so that you can translate the business requirements into what is needed from a technical perspective. So what you see happening is that 
um, the profile of these individuals, uh, traditional developers that has a strong vertical leg, they become more T-shaped in the sense that you would expect in an agile setup a more pronounced horizontal expertise as well, uh, where you start combining dev operations, testing type capabilities in a single engineering role. That's a really interesting piece of the whole, of the, of the article per se, and then also of the whole discussion. But thanks so much for talking with us today. Thanks so much, Roberta. My pleasure. Thanks so much, Roberta. To read the article, An Operating Model for Company-Wide Agile Development, please visit mckinsey.com. You've been listening to the McKinsey Podcast. To learn more about McKinsey, our people, and our latest thinking, visit us at mckinsey.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.